Welcome to the tipsy taste. <laughs> You're welcome. Wait, can you make yourself burp? Yeah. Oh. Uh, can you never, not? No, I've never been able to. What? <laughs> what a crazy person. Uh, well. I think that's like 101, like the first thing you learn. No, I've never been able to do it, and I've tried. I can't do it. I can't roll my tongue. Like, <sighs> I can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of makes me feel better. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. We are the Tipsy Tays. This is Tay. And that's. This is Tipsy. <laughs> it's Josh. How y'all? Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> what y'all doing? Screw Yes. Oh, R.I.P. I don't remember I know. his name, but he died, I think, last year. And he was my favorite. Do you remember the Welcome to Chili's guy? No. From Vine? No. Well, he he was like a star on Vine, and he like he walks into the bathroom in his boxers, and literally just in the mirror goes, "Welcome to Chili's," but he's dead too. <gasps> How? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. He probably probably suicide. Oh. Probably. You know how they be. You know how everyone. Fame is rough on people. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking about it. Even though ChatGPT knows that Britney Spears has not been physically destroyed, we, we know that it has, it has destroyed her psyche. Yeah, this is Josh's dirty secret. He uses ChatGPT to write his papers. Not to write when I'm stuck on a fucking problem. Like, so they... You guys, I know this is not the story. When... They wanted us to come up with, with six questions on our topic, and I couldn't. So I was like, what are some topics, or what are some questions that revolve around said topic? And it gave me some, but I didn't use them verbatim. I altered them. <laughs> Taylor's just jealous that I went to an Ivy League school I am. <laughs> called Ivy Tech. I, I'm so jealous. I'm telling you. Well, everyone, I can tell you someone that you would not be jealous of, and that is Ooh. the person in our story today. <laughs> yeah, because like most of our stories, guess what? They end up dead. It's tragic. <laughs> uh, Tragedy strikes. <laughs> so just to kind of give a little update on how things are going to go, because I know this is not coming out on our usual Monday... Mm. Um, we're gonna start posting on the first of the month and then in the middle of the month, so like 15th, 16th-ish. I feel so, like if we can come up with more, we'll release it, but for right now, we're yes. so busy. Well, and that's what I was thinking, like if, so after each season, we're gonna take like a month off, so we're gonna try to be able to get more stories written and recorded and have stuff out more often, um, or like actually on schedule and um, yeah also maybe do like an extra special halloween thing in october because we'll have september off so it's gonna look into doing some little halloween special um mm -hmm. but until then folks we have today the story of amanda knox <gasps> Italiana! <laughs> and, okay, so, I'm just gonna get into it, because this story is kinda long, and I don't wanna take up too much of everyone's time, so, this takes place in Perugia, Italy, Perugia, I don't know how you say Yeah, it. but didn't she, like, so, correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> oops. <laughs> Let me ask chat GPT. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, I remember, like, <clears throat> I watched a documentary on it. Obviously, we all know the story, but, like, she, like, graduated. Was, did she graduate at this time and was going, uh, like, abroad to, like, just get the experience? Is that what it was? No, she was still in school. She was studying abroad. Okay, was she in high school or college? No, college. Okay, okay, so the the part where I remember is, like, she, because I watched a documentary with her included, 
she had told her sister something like because she was a virgin prior that in Italy she wanted to lose her virginity and just kind of have fun we'll get into that because oh I'm excited that's a big topic in this crime um which actually has nothing to do with it but they tried to use it against her but right so um we're in Perugia, Italy, which is not somewhere that I visited, but it actually is pretty close to two other places that I did visit. Um, oh yeah, Taylor went to Italy, guys. Yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> rub it in all your faces. But guess and what? she got oh, she got engaged. Oh, I got engaged. Um, yes, all me here. I am on the sidelines. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got engaged in Italy, but we did not get any pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Who was he supposed to hire? Sergio? In the closed park? But it's funny, because it's like, everybody's dream is to get engaged in Italy, and then it's like, we didn't even get pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. fine. Um, Wait, side note, I have to say this. Yeah. Taylor looked beautiful in Italy, except one day she wore this dress, beautiful dress. Why the fuck did she wear it with tennis shoes? That's my fucking question. Because you have to walk everywhere. Yeah, but you know what, bitch? Beauty is pain. I was walking like 10 miles a day. I showed Tyler that picture. I was like, Tyler, I said, look how pretty she looks until you get to the fucking sneakers. I said, why did she wear those? Bitch, it was so hard. My feet would have fallen you so off much. if I wore it. <laughs> I couldn't even shoes. make the trek, honestly. I would be done after 10 steps. Oh I'd be like, <gasps> are we like, done? We were doing like 10 plus miles a day, so I was dying. My feet and no my way. legs hurt every single night. Ronnie had to massage my feet. Because mm. it hurts so bad. Ooh. No, he was not. He was not a happy camper about it. I forced him. Poor guy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, this tragically is not a beautiful story of historical sense and iconic scenery. No. Iconic. This is a tragic tale. Okay. And not just for one reason, but for several. So, obviously, our podcast, someone is going to die. In every single story, Mm -hmm. someone dies, right? Right. So, there's an innocent life that is lost, but another, and actually another few, innocent lives are destroyed. For the most part. And for yeah, no, for sure. Long time. And in like their prime years. So it's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. So the story begins on November 1st, 2007, which is not only the day after Halloween, it's also the first day of my birth month. <laughs> uh, and actually, do you want to know something horrible? And I don't know if I told you this. Did you kill somebody on November 21st of 1996? Um, no. But, I learned, like, last month that I'm not actually Scorpio. (gasps) Listen, is it because of the new signs? No. It's because I was born on, like, technically the last day of Scorpio season. But, because of there's like websites where you put in like your birth date, your birth time, and where you were born, and it tells you what you are. And because mm-hmm. I was born on like the last day, and I was born at night, like 10 p.m., so I'm technically a Sagittarius. Listen, so under the new sign, because they added a new one, I am no longer a Taurus, which I'm not big on horoscope stuff, but. I mean, I feel like I've always, like, been a Taurus, stubborn, you know, an asshole, but, um, I am now an Aries instead of a Taurus because of the new star sign. 
Okay, listen. So there's like the three big signs. I don't remember what they're called. It's like your sun, your rising, and your moon or something. Mm -hmm. All three of mine are fire signs now. But I thought I used to be a Scorpio, which made sense to me. But also now I'm technically three fire signs, which also you know what? makes sense to me. That makes sense. I was about to say, honestly, because you're you're the most quiet and reserved and non-confrontational person ever. But like arguing with you is the worst because you make the most like you know how to get under somebody's skin. I know. And that's where I'm like, honestly, the fire signs it makes sense. It totally makes sense. So I guess I'm no longer a Taurus. I'm an Aries and Taylor's just always been a bitch. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um so this story kind of really pisses me off actually for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna kind of start from like the middle and go from there because I don't like to keep secrets. I don't like to do surprises. And this story is about Amanda Knox and we all know probably at this point, I would assume that she was, everyone would know this, that she was wrongfully convicted of the mm -hmm. murder of her roommate at the time, and her name was Meredith Kircher. But don't forget, Taylor, you told me that you always thought she did it until you looked into it. I did, because... And that blows my mind. Because of how... And this just kind of goes to show of, like, how the media can portray things, you know? Of mm -hmm. where they can make you believe something just by putting opinions out there. But when you look at the facts of something, you really learn, mm, no, that was all fake. Right. Fake news. Uh, oh, where's Donald? <laughs> oh, we'll get into that later. Don't worry. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just look into Meredith real quick, um, who she was before this tragic thing happened to her. Because... Mm-hmm. Although Amanda Knox is the big sensational case, right? Well, not currently at this point, I guess, but recently was. Obviously, the main victim here is Meredith because she was murdered. Um, and that kind of also is a tragedy in itself, you know? Like, this poor girl was murdered and then somebody else gets, like, the most attention in her case, you know? Like, Always the bridesmaids, them and the brides. Literally, like, <laughs> this, this girl was murdered, but then this other girl who was wrongfully convicted is, like, the main person in the case, you know? It's just, it's kind of, it's sad all the way around, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Meredith was born on December 28th, 1985. Um, hashtag Bowling for Soup, 1985. <laughs> oh, shut up. No. <laughs> and she was just 21 years old when she lost her life. Luckily, though, Meredith was from London, so guess what? She got to drink before she died, so that's a plus. Ugh, that is, because <laughs> I was watching a true crime story today, and they were like, they took me out for my 18th birthday. I got wasted, and I was like... How'd they take you out? And then it was like, and then it was like in the UK, and I was like, ah, uh, you bitches! I had to sneak 14. that shit. Yeah, right. It's like um, we can own firearms at what eighteen or eighteen, but we can't smoke until twenty-one now. Yeah, we can't smoke or drink till we're twenty-one. Uh, well, so Meredith first went to the University of Leeds in England, and then she went to the University of Perugia. She was fascinated with Italy, the culture, their language, all the history, basically everything that Italy had to offer. She was like, I'm in. I want it, you know? Period. Uh, so as a lot of people who are victims of 
brutal murders are described. <laughs> um, she also went by Mez. She was known as Mez what the by fuck? her friends. Um, she was very friendly. She loved life, and she was always smiling. Hold on, can I say something? Yes. Everybody that's brutally murdered. Ugh, I was just thinking about this. Like, you never hear. Oh, they were having a hard time. Like they hated life or whatever. It's always her. Her smile lit up the room. Literally. She, like, tell me, tell me the truth. Right. I like when the Chris Watts stuff happened, yeah. which we've mentioned on here before. Yeah. I thought Shanann was a cunt when the the home videos and everything surfaced. Let us know of her faults. Right. I want to know that she was a good person, but <laughs> sometimes she was a bitch. Like, well, yeah, me and Taylor are besties, but I hate asking her for stuff because <laughs> because she sometimes just acts like she doesn't want to do it. So, like, we get it. We all have our faults. Tell me her faults. Well, I know. That's the thing that always gets me. And I, like, I get it because especially someone so young and, like, full of life, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, she was a fucking pain to beat. I sat next to her in class and she was the most annoying bitch there ever was. You know? Let like, me get interviewed for a death and I'll tell you straight up. I'll be like, oh, she was amazing. But sometimes that bitch will just go off for no reason. Like, uh, if I ever, you know, if I were to go out w- before you and you were like being <laughs> truthful, you'd be like, yeah, you know. No, actually, Taylor. But you're the one person I would talk up to the high heavens. Now, see, if, this is how stories like this come out. Meredith was the perfect little. Oh, you're right, but like, <laughs> but like most of our arguments and stuff, I've been like, oh, I shouldn't have came on too strong, or I shouldn't have been such a cunt. But actually, that time my power went out, and I sent you a video of me flicking the light up and down, and I was like, today is June, blah, 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 the power is off. Taylor is a bitch, you guys, and I need you to keep me in check if she dies before me. Josh is going to write my obituary. I am. I'm going to be like, she is survived by me. Nobody else. She hated her husband. Her kids suck. Literally, oh my god, that's so funny. Like, yeah, this is a this is a real oh bitch Uary. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's how everybody described her, you know. The and she was only twenty one. I mean, what? horrible things could she have done at this time? I don't know. Um, and I have seen pictures of her, like, you know, in articles and stuff that I was using to research for this stuff, and she is very beautiful. She looks like the type of person that would like to go out and have fun and light up She was. She was so pretty. And that's not even me being like, oh, this this dead girl was so pretty. pretty. No, she was actually gorgeous, and she was prettier than Amanda. <laughs> so Amanda here you. Yeah. She <laughs> might come kill me. Murder you. <laughs> yeah. No, we know Amanda didn't do it, but I mean and that should have been the first inclination in my eyes, in my gay eyes. The first inclination should have been Amanda was uglier than uglier and weirder. <laughs> Amanda true. is a great girl from what I've read. But I obviously mean, I mean Yeah. I will get into I think my opinion of Amanda is yeah, I think my opinion of Amanda is more concrete than my opinion of the victim because this whole story sheds the negative light on Amanda. Exactly. So I hear her negatives, but I saw her she's just a weird girl, you guys. Yeah. And I mean there were some things that she did that were kinda strange, like when they were investigating. Um and Obviously, no one is going to come forward after Meredith is brutally murdered and be like, oh, you know, I mean, she was pretty fucking weird. Like, eh, we didn't really like her that much. You know, nobody's going to come out and say that because guess what? Then you're a suspect. Right. Um, so let's back up a little bit. So Perugia is 
supposedly a very diverse, lively town in Italy that's pretty full of exchange students. Like, that's how the population is there. Mm -hmm. And one of those exchange students at this time is Amanda Knox. And, um, like I said, to me, I do find it a little bit odd that Amanda gets, like, more of the fame, quote-unquote fame, from this case. But it also is pretty justified once we get through all this, you know? Um, Meredith was obviously a young, beautiful, smart, and ambitious woman who was taken from the world too early. But Amanda as well as others who were wrongfully convicted in this case, are also victims. So, this is kind of like a, you know, hard balance. So, obviously, in this case, Meredith was murdered. And, unfortunately... She is no longer around to tell us. That's what murder means. Yeah. The story. (laughs) The definition of murder. Um, But Amanda is still here with us, and she was wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for this horrific crime not only once, but twice. Okay? Mm hmm. So. This story is a murder. It also tells us the story of shoddy police work and abusive police work. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that. Which I feel like is really prevalent in the U.S. And we don't really think of it happening other places as well. But, I mean, it's even... Um... Um... So, I mean, it's even happening in other places like Italy, in this case, you know? Like, mm-hmm. abusive police and, like, you know, these horrible interrogation techniques that are making people give false confessions, right? Yeah. So, alright... Sorry, I know we've already been through this. November 1st, 2007, Amanda Knox was 20 at the time. So Amanda was born July 9th in 1987. Period. Um, and she is from the U.S., but she was an exchange student in Italy, and she was sharing a place with Meredith and a couple of other girls. And so how the apartment was set up, from my understanding, it was kind of like the top floor of a house-ish kind of situation where all four women lived. And then the bottom floor was where a bunch of, like, men from the college lived, okay? So Mm -hmm. it's just like one of those houses that probably a professor wanted to rent out to make extra money because they don't make enough money. Period. Um... Apparently. Um, so they, like, converted their house into some type of, like, apartment dorm type of thing. From what I was getting from the descriptions. So Amanda, who was also a beautiful woman, Josh doesn't think she was as pretty as Meredith, but whatever. Period. So she had met a tall, dark, and handsome Italian man in it. In Italy. I'm just kidding. He was not mm. dark and handsome. <laughs> no. He, he might have been dark. And maybe not all the no, others. he wasn't even. <laughs> I forget what he looks. I actually, if I remember right, I thought he was hot. <laughs> no. I didn't think he was cute at all. But they were dating. His name was... This is where you're going to hear that I cannot roll my R's. His name was Raffaele... Solicito. That's my Italian. Cheeto. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Cheeto. We'll just call him Cheeto. Fa- His father was Chester. Chester. <laughs> Chester the molester. Yeah. <laughs> Chester Cheeto, you bitch. <laughs> so, the night of the murder, 
Amanda was out with her boyfriend, you know, a typical night out with your Italian stallion. Am I right? Mm, yes. And I can say that because my fiance is 10% Italian, guys. So. He's mostly Jew. <laughs> he is mostly Jew. <laughs> <laughs> He's also like uh, 5% African or something. Uh, all in the pants, baby. <laughs> So that night, she was actually supposed to be working at her part-time job at a pub called Le Chic. But her boss had told her, he had texted her and said she wasn't needed that night. Because, um, like, the night before had been really busy and he was like, people aren't going to come out here tonight or something along those lines. Because this was November 1st, so... Yeah. Halloween was a busy night, and then people were probably just, like, staying indoors, you know? And, uh, so, after that, she turned off her phone, and she was with her boyfriend, Raffaele, and they were, like, watching a movie and stuff, and I think, actually, I read that she had turned off her phone after Mm -hmm. her boss sent that text because she didn't want to see any other text from her boss like if he had changed his mind and was like actually come in so she turned off her phone which is like totally something I would do <laughs> totally no for sure me too <laughs> um so the next day um she went home to the place that she shared with Meredith and she pretty immediately knew that something was kind of off So the front door was open, first of all, which is a huge red flag for me. I don't... Yeah. Like, I have accidentally not shut my front door all the way, and I've, like, come home after I went somewhere for, like, five minutes, and I have cameras outside, and I'm like, oh, God, there's, like... A murderer in my house. <laughs> right you now. were also almost kidnapped. I was almost kidnapped. Um, yep. So that like kind of throws her off, but she's like, uh, whatever, you know. Um, but then she kind of finds a few more sketchy things. Um, she goes to take a shower in the bathroom, and once she gets out of the shower, she notices some spots of blood on the faucet and on the floor. And so after she sees that, she's like, okay, I'm going to go get Raphael a. Um, and so she goes and gets him again and comes back, and they do a little bit of searching around the place, you know, because... They're kind of sketched out. She's kind of sketched out at this point. Right. As I would also be. So at this point, you know, in all of their searching, um, she has already called her other roommates who had either stayed at, like one of the girls had stayed at her boyfriend's house or another one was away on business in Rome. You know, as you do as a typical Italian. Mm-hmm. Period. But she tried to call Meredith a couple of times and Meredith Meredith Gray answer yes. Meredith Gray of Gray Sloan Memorial. <laughs> yes. Um, so they go to check out Meredith's room and guess what? The door is locked. But apparently Meredith never locks her door. Which I kind of get, because I never really lock a door either, you know? Except for my, like, doors to the outside of the house. So, like, if my door was locked, you should probably be concerned. Right. And at this point, they had also noticed a broken window in one of the other roommates' rooms. So, of course, the next step here is to call the police. As you would do if you found mm-hmm. a window broken and one of your friends was not answering her phone. So, at the beginning of this case, I don't know that we can totally fault the police force 
on this case because Italy is a relatively safe place and I looked up statistics so the USA has five times more crime than Italy good god and it's like that's pretty much the same amount of like murders so like the US has five times more murders than Italy and <laughs> so the police get this call in Italy they send out officers who deal with tech crimes to yes. this crime scene and it's if it didn't end up how horribly as it did it's kind of funny you know like they sent out these police officers who only deal with like like nothing like it not not any type of physical crime you know yes and they send them out to the site of a possible break-in or murder or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, not so surprisingly, these police officers who don't really deal with crimes refuse to open Meredith's door, who, you know, it's locked at this time. So, um, this other girl, Philomena, is one of the other roommates at the place. <laughs> Yeah. She's there with her boyfriend at this time, because um, she's freaking out, you know? Um, she's like, Meredith never locks her door, like, there's no way that, like, it, something is terribly wrong, okay? So her boyfriend kicks in the door because the police refuse to do anything. And I'm sure you can guess what they found behind that door. <laughs> And it's pretty horrible. Um, there's blood. What did they find? Blood everywhere. Bagel bites? found... What? I said bagel bites. (laughs) Cold bagel bites. Meredith's sitting on the floor in a pile of bagel bites. (laughs) (laughs) No, they found her foot poking out from under the mattress. Oh, yeah. And then they find several deep stab wounds in her neck, and you—it's pretty tragic. But of course, <laughs> the first people that they suspect are the people who called the police. So that's a which now. never. Let me say this. That never makes sense to me. Like, I get it. Let me say, oh, ooh. Hypothetically, let's be like, oh, I killed somebody. Let me call the police to throw them off my scent so they think I'm reporting it. But, like, the speed at which they started, like, accusing Amanda of this crime was, was too crazy. Yes. Like, they had nothing at the time, if I recall. They had, she lived with her, you know? Yeah. Well, and think about, too, the police officers that they sent to the crime scene. They don't deal with, like, actual physical crimes. They don't right. deal with anything like that. And for them to automatically put suspicion on someone, and it's like, why? Because they're the ones who called the police? And right. You deal with tech crimes, and they called, so right. that's all you have. Um, no, I mean, it really is all types of screwed up, because in all reality, like, that just makes people not want to be the person to call for help, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be put in a situation where you're seen as a suspect. And I get it. I mean, some people do, but there's also usually other things that tip you off and not just the fact that they called. Right. So, like I said, there's already a lot of things wrong at this point. Like, period. 
how many people have already been on the crime scene, right? Like, all the, the roommates have come back, everybody's there, these police who don't even deal with real crimes. I mean, not, not real crimes, but you know what I mean. People mm-hmm. destroying evidence because, like, the boyfriend kicked in the door. <laughs> now you can't even see, okay, was there a sign of a break-in or whatever. Um, and then... They, but basically the police already have this idea that the murder was done by, or at least somehow orchestrated by Amanda for some reason, which we will get into in a moment. Mm-hmm. And these quote unquote police officers said that the scene looked staged. So they were already very suspicious and had basically at this point already made up their mind that Amanda was the one at fault. For some right. really strange reason. And that to me is so weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe because she was American? I don't know. <laughs> like, why did they decide that? Right. Um, so during questioning, there were a few things that she did that were odd. And this is kind of where it comes out that she is just kind of a weird person. But also at the same time, like, nobody knows how they're going to act in a situation like this until you're in a situation like this. Right. Um, Like, that's a pretty traumatic situation to go through, finding your roommate brutally murdered. She could have been in shock. You could, like, not know how to process that kind of stuff, and now you're being questioned, and, like, what do you... What are you supposed to do at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, these are just kind of some of the things that kind of made people feel a little weird about Amanda. She had been seen kissing and kind of snuggling up to Raffaele after Meredith was found murdered. And she had also been seen kind of goofing off and, like, doing the splits and stuff. Like... When police came out to get her from the waiting room or something, she was, like, doing the splits or something. Okay, but here's the thing, like, let me speak on the first part. Uh If somebody I was rooming with just died, Mm my my first inkling, if I had an emotional support system, which keep in mind, Amanda didn't because she was in a foreign country and... Her only emotional support was her boyfriend at the time, yep. Raphael. And, and so that's push not him away. <laughs> right. And so, but in my eyes, that's not weird at that no. point. Exactly. The splits. I mean, I've never been in a situation where somebody I was near or whatever was brutally murdered. Right. So I can't say what I would or would not do, but, like, at the same time, like, whatever I did, I mean, if I knew I was innocent, I would do whatever the fuck I wanted, just, like, you know, normal. Right. Well, and also I think of, like, sometimes if I'm, I don't know, out in public or something, and I start to, like, have some type of anxiety or, like, panic attack, I'll do something weird, you know, to, like, get myself out of it. I'll, like, say something to myself, like, out loud or something. So, like, if her thing was doing the splits or something, who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. Um... So another thing that made them suspicious for some odd reason is that she bought some red underwear. Man. And, but she wasn't allowed to go get her stuff from their place because it was a crime scene. So what was she supposed to do? Like she right. Clothes and stuff, you know? Like, she was supposed to go buy some fucking granny panties? To mourn her friend, she's not allowed to right? buy underwear. Like, what is? She, I. It just doesn't make sense. The things that they were watching her for doesn't make sense. And all of these things just added to investigators' quote unquote proof of her guilt. And we 
all have heard stories of how um, interrogators end up breaking people. And she went mm-hmm. through four days of questioning, relentless questions in both Italian and English, and she did not speak Italian. So <laughs> that would be confusing enough on its own, and enough to almost make you kind of go crazy having someone yell at you and berate you in another language, right? Mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours and like Josh mentioned earlier she was also isolated in the country with no family around she right. was completely on her own she had her boyfriend who anytime she got close to it was seen as suspicious so she also had no defense attorney present when she was being asked all of these questions and she was answering them as best as she could for as long as she could And eventually, they even became physically abusive to her, and the interrogator hit her several times throughout the questioning process. I remember that, yes. And that's, like, the big thing. And they all deny it, obviously. But, like, I've seen (laughs) videos of police, of investigators, of interrogators. They can get violent. Yes. So she later states that she felt like her head was swimming and spinning after hours and hours of interrogation and towards the end her mind was just going blank. Like she couldn't even think of what even actually happened. And eventually investigators decided how they think things went down. So I mentioned that her boss had texted her telling her not to come into work. Well, apparently there was a, some type of mention of a see you later within the text messages that they exchanged. Which, in English, to us, is like, oh, I'll just see you the next time I work. Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But apparently in Italian, it's more literal and like, I will see you later today. And they used that against her because I think she had responded in Italian to her boss saying the Italian equivalent of I'll, I'll see you later. So this is the story that investigators came up with based on literally basically nothing. Um, they said that she met up with her boss and his name was Patrick Lamumba. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. But um, Amanda insists that she had not left Raffaele's house, her boyfriend's house that night, because she hadn't. But the police, um, they lied to her and said that her boyfriend had admitted that they had left after she got that text from her boss. What the fuck? Yeah, like, they were using that against her. Like, oh, well, your boyfriend says that you guys did leave. So she's like, okay, so Raffaele is saying that we did leave, so we must have left. Or right. know, trying to, like, turn the story so that he doesn't look like a liar, right? Mm-hmm. So after physical, emotional, and mental turmoil and abuse... um. Amanda eventually relented and she admitted that Patrick had killed Meredith and apparently, quote unquote, had had sex with her before killing her and that Amanda had been there and had seen it or at least witnessed it in some type of way. Which obviously is a false confession because that didn't happen. So... Um... There was this false confession. And at this point, she signed it. She was arrested along with her boyfriend and her boss. And after this, it was basically a media frenzy. Um, People were trying to find, like, 
weird pictures of them on the internet to prove how guilty they were. So they found this picture of Amanda holding like a machine gun at a World War II museum in Germany. It was like, oh, she's like, you know, obsessed with like all this horrible stuff. And it's like, what? She literally just took a picture at a museum. Right. Understand. Um, and there was a huge problem with this confession, and that is that her boss, Patrick, was at work that whole night and had an airtight alibi. So, he was released, but Amanda and her boyfriend were convicted of the murder. Even though the person that she said who did it was her boss. So, that doesn't make any sense. I feel like her boss had maybe a vendetta against her because I feel like, if I'm remembering it right, he a few times kind of like pushed the narrative towards her. Well, he ended up filing a defamation lawsuit against her because mm-hmm. of all this. So, and I mean, for her to say that he did it is kind of shitty, but also it's like the police planted that in her head, you know? So, I see where in a time of panic and stuff, she would have said that. Yeah. But then for... And then I also see how he would retaliate and be like, well, I wasn't there, but she could have been, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it's not any kind of secret that all of this came out as being false. So then the question is who actually is responsible for this murder? Right. Because at this point there's not any evidence towards any of the three people that have been arrested for this murder except for the false conviction or the false um whatever that Amanda confession not conviction I can't Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um and once evidence does start rolling in it starts pointing at someone else so there's this guy named Rudy I don't even know how to say his last name Guide? That sounds Italian, right? Guide? Yes. Um, <laughs> that's like, isn't it from Cars Guido or something? Yes. <laughs> the little Italian uh, guy who does the pit stop. All I ever stuff. think about is, yeah, I mean, yes, that is true, but all I ever think about is Mater. It's like Toe Mater, but without the tuh. <laughs> so um this guy Rudy he was friends with the men who rented the space under Amanda and Meredith's apartment so all of them had met at some point and one of the articles I read said that Rudy had like written somewhere or told someone that he was attracted like physically and sexually attracted to both Amanda and Meredith. Oh. But, like, in a creepy way, um, I think it was he had written it somewhere. So, it's, like, kind of creepy because it's, like, honestly, he was going after whoever he could have gotten, you know? Right, like, yeah. it could have been either of them, and it mm-hmm. just happened to be Meredith that night home alone. Which is also so scary because, like, she was just home alone that night because the other two of the roommates had gone to their boyfriends and then the other one was out on business. Like, Ugh. if other people would have been home, she Which probably would have never happened. Place. Yes. Ugh, it's so terrifying. Ugh. Okay, sorry. Um, so, <laughs> it's just so scary to think. Mm-hmm. So, this is not the first time Rudy had been in the eyes of the law either. So, he had previously been in trouble for theft several times. I don't think he had actually been convicted, but, like, he 
was known to be a thief and a criminal mm-hmm. around around the town, you know. So he first became a suspect in in Meredith's case because fingerprints found at the crime scene did not match anyone that was arrested for the false confession, but they matched Rudy. And at this point, other evidence that was thought to be pointing at Amanda um, and her boyfriend and her boss was coming back and was basically proving that none of them were present at the time of the crime. Like, there were shoe prints that were thought to belong to Raffaele, but they were later found not to be his, but to most likely be Rudy's. And other evidence that was found to have connection to Amanda and her boyfriend were eventually found to just be contaminated, such as DNA on Meredith's bra clasp. Which makes sense, because, like, I mean, if you live somewhere, your DNA is going to be everywhere. Right. So, when Raffaele's knife was thought to be the murder weapon, it actually ended up not matching the wounds that were found on Meredith's Meredith's body. However, the police had already made up their mind, but instead of Amanda, her boyfriend, and her boss being the perpetrators of this crime, they changed the story to fit their narrative of Amanda her boyfriend, and Rudy, and it was the result of a sex game gone bad. What? Yeah. And this is kind of where it comes in where, like, all that stuff about Amanda wanting to, like, have sex with someone in Italy or something like that comes to play. Um, And then it said that a fight over some money was like kind of the spark that I remember that yeah um which doesn't even make any sense because nobody had money they were students right right so basically it's like horrible what they thought was the cause of this murder But essentially, they thought Amanda was some, like, crazed sex addict fiend. And that she was basically trying to, like, force Meredith into this thing. Some type of sex thing with her boyfriend and Rudy and all of these people. Because she was... She was just open about stuff like that and... Like, I feel like nowadays most people are. Maybe back then it was more taboo. But yeah. like they tried to just basically say that she was this horrible like person who was trying to force her roommate to have sex in this game or something. It's so weird, yeah. Yeah, and that's why they use stuff like, oh, she bought this cute underwear, or there was something like, oh, she had, like, a vibrator out on her bathroom seat. If that's a crime, lock me up. <laughs> Literally, like, what? And she even mentioned something like, the vibrator was, like, a joke. It was, like, a, a prank gift Mm -hmm. from a friend or something and she left it out as like a joke um but that's their story and they even fucking showed a like CGI reenactment of what they thought happened isn't that so fucked up yeah they showed that in the courtroom like that that shouldn't be admissible in court. No different than no. a lie detector test, you know? It shouldn't be, because it's fake, but when you put something on a screen, it makes it more believable to people who are right. watching it, such as a jury who sees that. And they're going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, now that I can see it happening, it almost looks like it's real. Right. Otherwise, why would you believe something like that? Like, if someone said that to me, if I was a juror and someone said that, I would be like, are you fucking serious? Period. So dumb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, now just to get into the trials, and I'm not going to go like into a lot of detail because the story is, there's a, a lot of stuff going on in the story, but just to give you the gist of everything, Rudy asked for a trial only before a judge. He didn't want a jury. And he was found guilty and sentenced to 30 years in prison, which was later reduced to just 16 years for the brutal murder of Meredith. So Amanda was being charged not only for the murder, but like I mentioned before, she also had the defamation case against her from Patrick, her boss, whom she had falsely accused of being a murderer. And... I don't know all the legal shit, but just to give a gist of everything, Amanda and her boyfriend were charged not once, but twice for the murder of Meredith. First, in 2009, the trials lasted an entire year, from January to December, and they were found guilty. So the prosecution had people testifying, saying that they had seen them out that night, um, near the apartment, which that testimony came from a homeless man. So I <laughs> don't know like what was going on there, how he knew who they were. I don't know. Um, but then somebody else said that Amanda had been at the been at a store buying cleaning supplies the next morning, assuming that she was using them to clean up the crime scene. Um, some of their friends testified that Amanda and Meredith had a strained relationships, but others, such as Philomena, who lived with them, said that they were friends and there was no problems between them. Right. And then there was an officer that testified, um, that the break-in was quote-unquote staged, but look at the officers that they had at the crime scene anyway. Do they even have the authority to say that? I don't know. And after the year-long ordeal, both of them were found guilty. And then at that point, it became like a true crime sensation all the way in the U.S. And back to our good old friend Donald Trump, he literally tweeted that Americans should boycott Italy unless Amanda was freed. Period. as much as I hate Donald Trump, I can agree with him on this one. Like, she was not guilty, you know? I mean, no more spaghetti. <laughs> no more spaghetti. <laughs> um, but then, so that was in, what was it, 2000? Nine, two thousand nine. Damn, that's a long time ago. Right. But then, in twenty eleven, they both appealed their convictions, and they were acquitted. But not for long, because I know. (laughs) (laughs) After Amanda was acquitted, she flew back home. I think it was like, where was she from? Seattle, something like that. Yeah. And then in 2013, they were both convicted again. So, it was like a whole freaking ordeal. Which is weird, because in the U.S., it's like once you're considered not guilty for a crime, you can't be tried for it again. Double jeopardy, bitch. Right. But in Italy, that's not the case. So, they were convicted again. But then, luckily, in 2015... They were completely acquitted on all charges. And, um, that's pretty much the story. Like, obviously Amanda and Raffaele split up throughout all of this because how would, I mean, they were only together right. for like a few months when all of <laughs> It was never going to last regardless <laughs> if this happened or not. <laughs> exactly. And like, what, was she going to move to Italy? I mean, I don't know. I probably would, but. Right. <laughs> but now she is actually married to an author and she at least was a journalist. I don't know if she still is. But of course, she's a huge advocate against 
wrongful convictions and does work with like the ah shit what is it called the justice something I don't remember what it's called (laughs) she does a lot of work with people who are like wrongfully convicted of crimes period innocence project that's what it is yeah so that's the story the gist of it anyway I don't know all the legal stuff I don't like to get into trials because I don't understand what any of it means but she spent a long ass time in jail for something she didn't do especially as a young woman you know yes it's scary and now she's literally um in a double wide trailer in the woods Honestly, I would want to live away from everyone, too, if I had that situation happen to me. Be like, listen, I don't want to have another chance at getting right accused of something I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Well, folks. Well, what do you think, Josh? Do you think she did it? No, not at all. <laughs> um, no, no, I... It was, that it was not her. Uh-huh, I mean... Uh, what the fuck would she have had to gain? Unless she just had the bloodlust, you know? But their whole even thing, then, there would have been more, yeah, you know? No. Their whole thing was that she did it for some crazy sex game, and everybody's like, what sex game are you talking about? <laughs> right. <sighs> well, this has been another episode, a long episode. Sorry, everyone. and we will see you in the middle of august and then after that we will have another episode out in october so follow us on instagram twitter and don't forget our um google form if you have a story you want covered send it over it'll be linked Yes, queen. Okay. And bye!